Wait, what about space gold? We can mine asteroids. Can you get on that rocket? I, I'm not going to get on there, but I have a feeling there could be more than the finite Earth supply. Just saying. Community. Capital. Community. Capital. Put your money where the movement is. It's the people that make the world go round. That make the world go round. Oh, is it the money? Hey, I'm Alexis. I'm Community. Hey, I'm Michael. I'm Capital. So something like that. We are recording. Thumbs up. Does Robinhood allow you to trade gold? Well, do you consider crypto gold? What's What's the way that you would recommend someone invest in gold, Michael? I think what over the last decade, gold has performed how well? Like down 2% or something? <laughs> Some Bitcoin person was trolling the gold community. Generally, gold is a safe haven from inflation. Yeah, down 4.5% in 10 years. 4.7. Look, th- there's a finite number of gold bars in the world. You have to store those gold bars. As an investor, most people don't want to own physical bars of gold and have to store them. Uh, so they are kind of cool, in an ETF. <laughs> Just invest in our ETF and we'll handle the storage, the custody, etc., which actually is not too different from what the crypto brokerage businesses like Robinhood say, or, or, or Coinbase say. Well, wait, let me double down on this. So there is a cultural appeal to gold right? Different civilizations were like, oh, this is shiny. We can use this for jewelry. We can use this for wealth. Certain cultures appreciate gold more than others. As an Armenian, I feel comfortable saying we we like gold. Gold is a nice, it's just a thing. Culturally, we vibe with gold. Um, (laughs) Where's your gold chain? In a ration that's under my shirt. Also, I love that you knew that reference to make. Um, And it's also, I have my Adidas tracksuit over (laughs) the corner. The The powerful thing here is it's basically made up. I mean, gold is nice, but it's far more valuable because of things that we project onto it than its actual usefulness. It's Mm -hmm. pretty soft. You can't build anything with it, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk about Dogecoin and crypto because apparently that is all of Robinhood's business. How did the culture around a, a thing like Dogecoin become this damn interesting to trade? Why aren't people trading gold? Far more people in the world know what gold is, think gold is shiny, think it's special. What? I think you're hitting on a cultural trend, which is that younger people would rather live in a digital world than a physical world. And now, yes, mm. like, like we just said, people can buy gold ETFs so they can get exposure to gold without actually having to worry about the custody the cost to carry, having to transport that gold or store it in a secure place. But I think people who are younger view crypto and other sorts of assets as a form of digital gold in a sense. Now, there are certain assets that will look more like digital gold than others. There are Mm -hmm. some people who would argue that Bitcoin is a version of digital gold because there's finite supply demand. It has properties that show some level of store of value. If we do live in a digital world, how will people want to interact with assets that they believe are valuable? Now, I think the other question to that too, though, is gold has some flex value too. You can say, I own gold. I own gold bars. Now, Don't put that in your Tinder profile. I think less people will be willing to say, oh, I own a bunch of gold bars in some vault and Kansas or New York or whatever, that's where I actually think crypto and NFTs and all these sorts of alternative assets that are not necessarily correlated to traditional markets, traditional equities markets, 
They have some of those properties for this generation that gold had for other generations, but they also have the flex value. That's why they're going to put it on their rainbow wallet. Like, hey, I've invested in this NFT. Right. It's practical to say, hey, look to your friends. I think that's why the profile pick, the PFP phenomenon of NFTs is so popular because they're hacking Twitter, a Web 2.0 product to be Web 3. Because Twitter is the place where you go to change your profile pick to flex ownership or membership in the Board Ape Yacht Club or Cool Cats or whatever. And so you're seeing that. But someone is going to bring those things together as a form of identity. I, I hope everyone agrees that digital identity matters as much or more than sort of physical identity these days, especially for the up and coming generation. On that point, how much do you think that digital identity will be tied to a financial asset of some sort? So like you say, the Board Ape Yacht Club NFT or the Helpful VCs NFT is your profile <laughs> picture or what, whatever digital asset it may be. Is that digital identity tied to a financial asset? Is that what people want to flex or show as their identity? I think so. I think so. And I would go deeper on this because we're all status seeking monkeys who want to tell these stories. I really think that everything now is going to be inextricably tied to value. And because at the end of the day, look, that's how we keep scoring business. It's, it's a 55 X DPI fund. <clears throat> it's doing <laughs> a 55 X DPI fund. Oh, yeah, that was my first fund. But <laughs> the point is, it is about that on your profile. I'm plugging that one. It's, it goes in the investor pitch deck. I guess I could, I don't know. It's a little much. I could put on my LinkedIn profile. No, the, <laughs> the bigger thing is that we all as apes decided to create score with a store of value. And we have different currencies in different places, but at some point, and this is not a prescription for life. I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying because we are now in the age of programmable money, it will be trivial to add that store of value to the equation when we are thinking about something, whether it's buying something, whether it's investing in an artist, in a musician, in a company. And we will understand that having, you know, Gary Vee launched the first quote unquote NFT restaurant today in New York, where you basically just use your NFT as the membership to get in. That membership card immediately has a value because it offers you the chance to sit in a presumably exclusive restaurant. Whether you want to admit it or not, everything basically has a price. Well, <laughs> and, and now we can manifest that. What's cool about that is you're taking social currency and turning that into financial currency. Yeah. yeah. Right? We, we had social currencies before, private members, clubs. I mean, being a member of the Soho House had some form of currency or being a member of some sort of art club had some sort of currency. But now if you can tie that to a digital asset that actually has monetary value or ability to invest in, potentially trade it too. That's where like, NFTs get so interesting, particularly when they're tied to creators, is the currency in the form of access to experiences or access to the clout of being very early supporters. Yes. And that's something, again, as status-seeking monkeys, we've <laughs> wanted this. It's the reason you have that friend who won't ever shut up about being one of the first fans of, insert famous artists, before they were big. The sort of canonical hipster problem of, oh yeah, I was a fan of blah, 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 before they were big, you wouldn't know. We seek that. And it doesn't matter what the thing is, 
we decide within the little sort of the herds that we travel in what those signs of early awareness are and, and savviness or sophistication. And there's some who seek it obviously more than others, but those are the culture drivers. Those are the tastemakers. So is the difference now, one, it's programmable and it's there's provenance mm-hmm. on the blockchain and that everybody can it's now verifiable. know that they yeah. are number one. Look at the people who bought the first CryptoPunks. It's anonymous because it, it doesn't necessarily have their name, but people can see which address it is. So you can see who that person is, who's a CryptoPunk whale. But is the real difference here the distribution in the sense that now you have all of these online platforms that tie identity and embed the ability to share that identity? And maybe even the fact that it's programmable money. In the 90s, there were people who wanted to embed programmable money, digital money, digicash, into the browser. Mm, There was an opportunity for Digicash to be embedded into the browser in the 90s. So this was an idea that was going on, but now you actually have distribution through social platforms that you may never have had before. And, And I would not sleep on this device that I'm holding up the mobile phone because your desktop and the digital world you're talking about is extremely relevant for sure. We are still gonna occupy physical world to some extent, COVID lockdowns, all that stuff ends. Like this also becomes the bank vault that lets you with your biometric reader show like, oh no, I'm a part of this thing. And here's this thing I have. Let me show you. That's really powerful. It seems like such a small thing, but this is very different from if I had a Palm Pilot 20 years ago showing you a JPEG file of which I had a contract on a piece of paper with I don't know who would have Ernst and Young, I don't know, certifying auditing that I am the first owner because the user experience of it was terrible. No one else would have even heard of it or had been doing it. So it's going to seem really weird. And now because of the social media ubiquity you're talking about, because the fact that we have the sort of ultimate bank vault to carry around with us, that creates a different relationship. It just creates a different connection to the asset because it feels intimate. We sleep with this thing. We take this thing everywhere. And that's just as good as taking the actual asset itself with you everywhere. I wonder if our phone is what becomes the mobile art gallery in a sense. The analog world was somebody bought a a very expensive piece of art and either had it in their house or put it in a gallery and they're able to show like, that's my piece. Mm -hmm. But now number one, it's a digital form of that. And it's mobile. You can bring that wherever you can distribute that wherever to anyone in the world. And you also can own fractional pieces of it too. That's to to me, that's the other power of this, which you're distributing this to the masses where somebody can own a piece of the declaration of independence on rally Mm -hmm. or they can own it just went yeah. on sale today. Yeah, for a meteorite. Sure. Yes. Where, where, uh, maybe that's the new form of digital gold. <laughs> and you don't even have to go to space to get it. Let me, to, let me try to build. I'm telling you, man, if there's gold on that meteorite. So <laughs> is that the real unlock that you have? One, the distribution, obviously. Two, the wallet is the custody. So people don't need to worry about the custody like they might have needed to worry about that with gold. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a meteorite. I'm never going to touch it. I'm never going to need to. And and frankly, because the ticket price is what it is, because I can buy a share for $20, I'm like, yeah, 
Okay, that's kind of cool. Why is it kind of cool? Because I can tweet about a JPEG of a rock that I'll never see that fell from space? Yeah, that is a new paradigm for culture. There is no precedent for it at this kind of scale and in this kind of way, thanks to all the things we are just talking about. Speaking of which, I'm going to buy a couple shares of the meteorite. Coming down to Earth right now. Mm, why not? <laughs> so, question here. Mm-hmm. How do companies that operate in the physical world, how do they navigate this new world? Do they mm. take what is physical and turn it digital and then are able to fulfill many of these properties that we just talked about and able to work with the next generation of consumer or investor who wants to be able to interact with the digital world in a way that they may not have done with the physical world? I think they're going to have to. The The trick is still, again, user experience. You hear me all the time. User experience is everything. And so building the product, the software that actually makes that experience delightful and fun and worth tweeting about. And then also the storytelling. And I think that's one area where I think we're doing our part. Kevin Rose just launched another podcast specifically for NFTs, which I thought was brilliant. And I texted him and I was like, dude, this is so smart. We're still in the earliest days of the storytelling around the space. That's going to get much, 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 much better over the next year or two. So why is this cool? This is cool in part because my parents took me to the, I guess it'd be the Natural History Museum when I was a kid or the Air and Space Museum Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. It's cool because I saw Apollo 11 as a kid. It's cool because I watched Aliens and Star Wars a bunch of times. What are all the reasons I'm describing why it's cool? It's because of culture. Because it was either highbrow museum culture or lower brow science fiction or film, but it's all culture. Those stories, because again, we're all just apes trying to follow the stories, made me think that this rock from space is cool and worth putting real money into. And also with me implicitly thinking other people will think it is cool. And that being a pretty true thing. Dude, historically, the people who have been transacting in this world weren't really thinking about and didn't have the means to tell the stories but they will in the future. The next Apollo 11, Apollo 13, sorry, Apollo 11 was the one that worked out well. And then Apollo 13 was the horrific one, which they made the movie out of. The next film, and I guess you've seen this with Mila Kunis's thing with the stoner cats. Even culture is going to start thinking about the assets that it's creating while it's making it. So I have this infinity gauntlet. I have Mjolnir in the back. I wish those were the actual movie props. These I just found on Etsy. It is only a matter of time before while they're making the movie, they're like, hey, Thor, hand us Mjolnir. Okay, great. And then they just take it away and they put it in a vault. And then on launch day, when Thor, I don't know if they're doing this, Natalie, if they're doing this for Thor and I'm spoiling something, sorry, it's a total guess. But on launch day for the film, they're like, hey, Thor, now in theaters, Natalie Portman used this Mjolnir in the filming of it and it's for sale on Rally. You can own a piece of it for a nickel or a dollar or whatever. I'd be doing that all day long because you have this intersection now of culture, which is really a byproduct of community and capital, boom, making markets. It makes me actually want to stop this podcast right now and make sure Natalie is doing this for the Thor movie because it's just, it's, it's inevitable. Someone's got to do it. That's where I wanted to go next. So content and Hollywood, I'm here in LA, the movie industry, the music industry, Is that where this naturally goes next is taking all this IP 
and then building a universe around that IP where to your point, it's not just like the, it could be the clips of the film. I mean, the NBA basically did this with Top Shot. They were brilliant. They, they took their original content, mm-hmm. chopped it up into little moments and sold those moments. They, they did primary issuance on NBA Top Shot. They have a secondary market where they trade it, but they took moments of original content that they have, that they own and found a way to monetize it. So there's content itself and there's everything around that content. We actually could include sports in this too, whether it's media, entertainment, music. But is that where this goes next? This is the next frontier for culture meeting capital? You can imagine this as the old guard figuring out how to adapt as the new guard builds a new IP native to the technology. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but you're seeing that, right? Let's use the OGs in this space, CryptoPunks. They have an asset now, an IP that is special, that has an audience, that has a following. And so it's only a matter of time before they start working with folks in the industry to then turn that into an animated show or a movie or God knows what else, because it's such a strong buy-in from a community. And again, because everyone now gets proven more right and they get made more rich by it being more and more successful, they are so bought in, they're going to evangelize, they're going to tweet, they're going to show up, they're going to bring their friends. This is OG Reddit stuff that we were lucky enough to participate in, but this is going to define just about everything that gets built now going forward. So I think everything comes back to distribution and you have to be able to distribute product, whatever that may be, to your audience. And you give one example that this new community has been created around something like CryptoPunks. But I look at the film or music industry, Mm -hmm. which already have community. So they have, in theory, distribution. But yet maybe those people are not the early adopters of crypto. So what's more important? Do you think that the distribution matters more here? And if you have that engaged community, there are streaming platforms, the Netflix is the world, et cetera, who have engaged audiences. They may not be early adopters of crypto necessarily, but if you can figure out how to engage those people in creating all of this content and these properties around it, yeah, is that the opportunity or is it the other way around? We learn from kind of the new world of like crypto punks and the early adopters and things like that. I really do think it's going to bleed into each other. User experience matters a ton for so many of those new, some of that existing distribution. They're going to need a fiat on ramp. They're going to need something that looks like a checkout for sure. As good as Rainbow is, as good, like they're going to need That's why Coinbase enables the on ramp to equivalent of digital gold. It's easy to buy Bitcoin. But... Now you have to get enough people to care to do it. You make the user experience great, but you have to have it aware enough in the mainstream culture that someone says, okay, I need to own this version of it. For instance, if I love Spider-Man, or let's say I love the X-Men, because I do, and I actually picked up, it's a terrible condition, but uh, number three of the X-Men, there we go. This is the first appearance of Cerebro. You can love the X-Men, but right now you have a million ways to show that love. It could be a Funko Pop. It could be a T-shirt. It could be a Blu-ray DVD. This is just another canvas. And so then the challenge becomes not just how do I make it as easy to get as the Funko, 
But then how do I also convince someone that it's actually worth, like they need to get it. And ultimately that comes from people around me coveting this thing. My tribe of people who also love the X-Men saying, oh no, this is really cool. Look at this one. I just got blah, blah, blah. And so we actually saw the VV, Vivo, Vivo, did a launch of Marvel IP. And it was weirdly received. And I think in part because Marvel looked like they had, it looked like they'd sort of brought the B team for it in terms of the animation, the design. It just didn't feel, you know, for, for a studio that had that kind of cow, it didn't feel that engaged. And so then you have that Venn diagram is what you're counting on. If you have the massive distribution and then you have some of those people who are already in crypto, you need that part of the Venn diagram that overlaps to buy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have this community being like, yeah, this is dope, they're not going to buy. And I don't think that flywheel spins up. So is it down to education that people need to understand what the value is of actually owning something versus just consuming that content? Kind of. So yes, but I think it's part education. But if I'm sitting here, if I'm running Marvel Studios or any of these distribution folks, I am going right to these NFT communities. I am I own a board ape. I own a crypto punk. I own a cool cat and a pudgy penguin. I'm in those discords. I'm participating You're a penguin in trader? and understanding. Well, hypothetically and literally I am, yes. But right, I'm thinking through that stuff and I'm living it and understanding what those communities are motivated by and what they're intrigued by and getting their buy-in so that our first drop is beloved by the same people who already are bought in to NFTs. Mm-hmm. That's I, I really think 80% of your time needs to be spent there and then 20% of the time on the education of, of everyone else. Is the other thing here to making sure that there's authenticity behind the monetization of this as well, where people don't feel like this is just a money grab for the IP or the content creator or the producer? Mm-hmm of that asset where it's just a consumer thinks, oh, this is just another way to monetize my engagement. But they actually feel like they're an owner of something and part of something, part of a movement, part of owning an asset that may have value in the future. How do you think about the authenticity of this? And so that these content creators IP actually do this in a way where it's not a money grab. Yes, they can make money and they should, because they have something valuable, but it's not just, oh, we're just trying to find another way to monetize on our consumer. I think this is the nuance of the strategy and the execution around the community building. And it's bringing the people who created the IP in the first place or gave it life into it as well. Because, I mean, Stanley is past, but like understanding what's an easier one, you know, actors would be an easier one. So for like the living actor who's a part of a movie, played an iconic role, it looks like a cash grab if it's just, hey, you love this IP, now buy this thing. But you bring in the actual people who helped bring that all to life. That's the people, those are the humans that we have affinities for. And if you look at a lot of these projects that are successful, it's because of that human-human connection. Someone who is starting out from zero has to have a human connection. Otherwise, she will never create any community because it's just people. That's what people need. They want that authenticity. If you're starting with all the distribution because you have a known entity and a known brand, you're at actually a bit of a disadvantage because the default is that you're not authentic. You're not connected. You're not human. So you have to draw from those roots, draw from those places and do it in a genuine way, like actually incentivize them economically with it. 
two things there. There's one aspect of online identity, which is it feels like not making it about yourself, making it about the movement is way more effective. And people respond to that because then it's not just about you. Is that the way forward for many of these content creators who already have a built-in community? I think so. I think, I think a lot of the best ones already know that and they're operating that way. It's no surprise to me that if you look at the top creators or some of the biggest communities, they haven't just shipped some lazy NFT project. Think of all the top YouTubers and how few of those, I, I mean, I actually can't even think of any that have NFT projects. Maybe there's probably one or two. That's because they deeply respect their community. They deeply respect the stuff they put out there and they're, they're going to do it right if they do it at all. This is an ongoing conversation because again, this is just, this is a really dope new technology, but it is just a canvas. And what makes it special is all the things you do with it, not just the fact that you can do it. Anyone can go to Michael's and pick up a canvas. My paint store? Sorry. Yeah. You're, I don't know. I realized it was a family business. It was a sore spot there. Sorry about that. <laughs> Me and the other, what, millions of Michaels around the world? No, it's just, it's <laughs> yours. I know. I know it. Here's an arts and crafts store. Um, but I got to, I wish you, I wish you had your infinity gauntlet. I have, uh, I've got to go to my next meeting, man. You could snap me an extra 10 minutes. I'll, I'll bring it out next time. Okay. 